Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Tani G. I'm your host, Tani G. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at maximum tee at yahoo.com. Perkyovis Treasury, Season 2 of the PAL, Chapter 3, Paragraph 17, Perak Gimel, Mishnah Yud Zayin. Let's talk about fences. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, Sechot v'kalos rosh margilin esa adam erva Mockery and levity accustom a man to immorality. Masoris siagla Torah, the transmitted oral Torah is a protective fence around the Torah. Maastro siagla osher, tithes are a protective fence for wealth. Nidaram siagla precious. Vows are a protective fence for abstinence. A protective fence for wisdom is silence. Notice the difference in the wording, how you say the thing and then the fence, and then in the end it says the fence and then the thing. Just an interesting way of changing around the words. Well, let's talk a little bit about the different items in the Mishnah. And if we have time, we try to bring in some of the stories at the bottom also. So Rabbi Akiva was a third-generation Tana, one of the most famous of all Tanaim. Rabbi Akiva himself is a fascinating figure. I see him as one of our heroes, one of our role models. They're all fantastic throughout the Talmud, but he himself is a crazy story to begin with. During his lifetime, the temple was destroyed. He was of modest and humble beginnings. He started learning with the little, 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 little preschool kids at 40, working his way up, learning the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet, learning learning Mishnah and Parsha and then Mishnah, and then all the way up to Gemara to becoming a great, great sage. And then spending his life disseminating Torah, he lost a ton of students in the period between Pesach and Shavuos, 24,000 students, and then he rebuilt with five students. He's really a fantastic figure to try to learn from. He's very big into optimism. He talked about even though the temple was destroyed, he gave much much consolation to those around him because he talked about how even though one prophecy talked about destruction, another prophecy talked about rebuilt, rebuilding. Very fascinating character. There's a book called Akiva. There's different ways to learn about him, but very interesting, very interesting. So although he was ignorant and torn until a late age, he grew to epitomize multifaceted greatness, and he was able to become a great scholar thanks to his outstanding mind, great willpower, and the selfless encouragement of his wife. Another crazy story is that he was going to come home after 12 years, but he overheard his wife talking to someone and saying that, and somebody was saying how he was gone so long, and she said if he knew what was good for him, he would stay another 12 years or something like that. The Talmud relates that as a young man, he had been a shepherd in the employ of one Kalba Savula, a wealthy Jerusalemite whose daughter Rachel was attracted because of his refinement and humility. She asked him, if I marry you, will you dedicate yourself to Torah study? He agreed. They were secretly married. When the word of the marriage reached her father, he was incensed and forbade her any access to his considerable wealth. Forced into a life of abject poverty, Rabbi Kiva and his wife were homeless and took shelter in a haystall, but she remained loyal and supportive, insisting she was ready for any sacrifice in order for him to become a scholar. Phenomenal phenomenal support for Rabbi Akiva. Once he said to her, if only I could, I would have an artisan create for you, Rishayim Shal Zahav, a gold tiara in the form of the skyline of Jerusalem. And some say he really was able to do that. 
much later on in life. According to Abba Serbian and Nassim, Rabbi Kiva was inspired to begin his Torah studies at the age of 40, like we mentioned when he observed how water could wear grooves into solid stone after years of constant dripping. He said to himself, if soft water can penetrate hard stone, certainly the iron-strong Torah can leave its imprint on my heart. He began learning the alphabets and continued his studies until he mastered the entire Torah. He studied under Rabbi Elezer ben Horkinus and Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanani and returned home after 12 years. We talked about this. As he approached his home, he overheard an old man chiding his wife. How long will you be the widow of a live man? And she said, selflessly, if you were to listen to me, like we said, he would remain even longer in his studies. So Rabbi Kiva immediately turned back, didn't even say hello to his wife, and devoted himself to Torah study for another 12 years. When he returned home, triumphantly, with 24,000 students, his wife went out to greet him, dressed in simple clothes that indicated her poverty. Unaware she was his wife, his students sought to deny her access to their great teacher. Rabbi Kiva said, allow her through for my Torah, and your Torah is really hers. From Kasuvas. Fantastic stories. When he became a famous rabbinic figure, his father, Kava Savu, annulled his vow of disheritance and gave Rabbi Kiva half his fortune. Rabbi Kiva remembered his promise to his wife, ah, here it is, and commissioned an artisan to make a Jerusalem of gold brooch for Rachel. Rabbi Gamaliel's wife asked her husband for a similar gift, and he answered, Would you, like Rachel, be ready to sell your braids so that your husband could study Torah? Yushalmi Shabbos, Rabbi Kiva's love and appreciation for his wife's dedication to him has given vivid expression in his aphorism, Who is wealthy, one who has a wife whose deeds are beautiful from Shabbos. His clarity of thinking and expression gave rise to Tarfan's decoration Akiva, one who separates himself from you, separates himself from life itself, from Kedushin. Fantastic stories. Two times twelve. In spite of Rabbi Kiva's enormous gratitude to his wife, he turned back without even taking a moment to enter his home and gladden her heart with his presence. Rabbi Chaim Shalavis derives from this incident the destructive power of interruption. Rabbi Kiva realized that life is like a kettle on the stove. Once one can heat and reheat the water countless times, but if the kettle is removed before the water boils, then all the heating is useless. Likewise, man's spiritual progress needs to be compounded without interruption in order to reach its culmination. Mikiva understood his heroic wife, knew that she would also appreciate the fact that 2 times 12 is not the equivalent of 24 uninterrupted years of Torah study. So let's see some commentary quickly on the different parts of the Mishnah. So, mockery and levity, uninhibited merriment and light, foolish conversation leads to immoral behavior, refined seriousness and fear of God are the best deterrents to such behavior. The transmitted oral Torah, the traditional Masoretic text of the Torah, protects its integrity, allowing us to interpret its words properly and to derive halacha from them. In addition to the correct interpretation of the written Torah, this tradition includes such basic elements as which words are written with their full spelling, which are bridged items which sometimes affect the derivation of laws. And we know that scriptural text comes down from Sinai, allowing for an exact tradition of interpretation, leaving little room for distortion by impostors or misbelievers who might alter the text according to their own notions. Just as one erects the fence around his vineyard so that outsiders do not trespass and trample it, so the tradition serves to safeguard the Torah by mishand- from mishandling by irresponsible e- experts. Quote unquote. Story in the bottom. Rambam teaches that one who eats openly in the marketplace, one who does menial work while part partially undressed, like digging, digging ditches while stripped to the waist, or one who exhibits any other type of behavior indicative of lack of shame is rabbinically unfit to be a witness. Ravon Cartlett explained the ultimate safety net against sin and self-respect. Unlike all other preventive measures, which are external, self-respect is an internal sensor which warns one of impending spiritual danger. Once self-respect is gone, there are no shields against sin. One may even give false testimony if he doesn't realize about these things. Judaic linguists saw an allusion to the concept in Midbar Shechah Sheker Tirchak, distance yourself from a false word. The letters of Sheker and the initials are Sechok, are the initials of Sechok, laughter and playfulness and Kalos Rosh, lightheadedness prescribed by our Mishnah. So witnesses are 
Tithes, excuse me, excuse me. Tithes are a protective fence for wealth. Gifts and tithes to a Kohen, Levite, or the poor do not diminish one's wealth. On the contrary, they increase it. They say, Aser, Bishvil, Ta'aser. It says, literally, you are to give tithes. Deuteronomy, the sages homiletically expound, give tithes that you will become wealthy. Aser, Bishvil, Ta'aser. Although, in general, the Torah teaches you to not test Hashem your God, by which extension also forbids God to test whether he will give rewards. Charity is an exception. As Malachi exhorted, bring the entire tithe to the storehouse. Let there be food in my house, and test me now thereby, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour down for you incessant blessing beyond your capacity. Thus, when it comes to these things, you should be assured that Hashem will make sure you get it back. If you give that 10%, Hashem will take care of you. Don't worry. Vows are protective fence for abstinence. One who is in control of himself and who is capable of self-denial without making vows is best advised not to make them. But someone who is unable to subdue his darker side by the willful exercise of self-control may invoke a vow to strengthen his resolve. However, he should do so for a prescribed amount of time. An open-ended vow may be too difficult to keep indefinitely. you got to be careful what you say and what you're going to try to do. A protective fence for wisdom is silence. Silence from slander, tail-bearing, gossip, sin... Gossip or foul language is a biblically mandated duty and need not be spelled out. Conversely, one should not remain silent when engaged in Torah study. Rather, the mission speaks of the virtue of silence in ordinary, mundane, harmless areas. Even here, one should keep his conversation to a minimum. King Solomon taught even a silent fool is considered wise. The Talmud elaborates, silence is good for the wise. Certainly, it is so for the foolish. To Pharisees, he'll explain silence is the most foolproof method for avoiding all types of improper speech. So we see some great lessons to learn from Rabbi Kiva himself. Join us next time as we talk about Rabbi Kiva telling us another thing about being beloved by man and being indicating greater love by God himself here on the PAL with Tani G. And I'm your host, Tani G.